right, Pod Kids, welcome back to episode five of Office Hours with Carpa Lodge. Uh, I am Peter Lodge, an associate professor in the School of Media and Public Affairs at the George Washington University, joined as always by my colleague, Dave Carp, also a professor at the School of Media and Public Affairs, George Washington University. It's Office Hours with Carp and Lodge, where you hear really depressing things about politics because politics is so depressing. And, and it, as a bonus, we give you footnotes. So if you go to the website, peterloach.com slash podcast, you can see links to all of the proof about how bad things things really are. I, I do need bad. to read about why. <laughs> With math. And I should flag, this is episode five. Uh, Dave and I have committed to each other. We do six episodes. Our first season is going to be wrapping up in a few weeks here. Um, thank you for the support. We're getting uh, ratings on Apple Podcasts. We're getting texts, the occasional email. Keep them coming. Because if you reward us, we'll keep doing this. So, how many uh, likes and comments do we need to make this a daily podcast? What do you think? <laughs> a lot. But what do you think? Can our listeners make it happen? Can they talk I, to I, daily? I, I think our, I have confidence in our listeners, especially if any of them are, you know, mattress companies looking to to sponsor a podcast and paying Listen. us in in crypto. Listeners, you uh, you heard that from Peter Loge. If we don't turn daily after this first six episode run, it's because you didn't try hard enough. <laughs> wow, that's that's a thing. All right, before it's we get into the carpet Loge, where I bring the same vibe that I do to my classroom. <laughs> classes are over, so now we're just taking this out on on everybody. Yeah, on everyone. Oh, madness! All right, uh, what do we got? What do we got? Uh, the first thing I want to do has anything uh, happened this week? Huh. Well, before, let's, oh, let's get it. Yeah. Let, let's hang on. Let's get into what didn't happen. Okay. Because two weeks ago, uh-huh. which feels like a lot longer ago than that, um, you boldly predicted that there's no way that Florida would go through with their, their punishing uh, Disney. Of course they wouldn't, because we don't live in such a stupid world that they would actually do that. They're just going to score the points, not do it. Is that how that worked out, or do we live in that stupid of a world? Yeah, no, that, that world is, we're, we're living in that world. We're living in the trailer Number park of madness. I thought. <laughs> Political trailer park of madness. And the others, of course, you boldly predicted that, that Elon Musk wouldn't buy Twitter. Uh, he technically hasn't acquired it yet. There's no governing <laughs> legal authority. It's office hours with Carpet Lodge where my last bastions of hope get slowly eroded away. Soul crushing in 30 minutes. So um, I... <laughs> I flagged that to look for a confirmation vote for the Federal Communications Commission for Gigi Sohn that, that remains delayed because of uh, three holdout senators, groups led, both conservative groups and also a group led by a former Democratic senator are pushing against her, her confirmation with a $250,000 plus ad buy in Nevada, Arizona, and West Virginia. That may, who knows if that vote's going to happen. The other I said to look for was the, the confirmation vote for the Federal Trade Commission of Bedoya. Uh, that's been delayed because Senator Bennett has COVID, but that looks like that might actually happen. And we get we have more stuff. There'll be more stuff at the end of this episode to look for next. So so stay tuned through the really depressing parts to find out how it gets worse. So um, this was this was a week, Dave. This week is on par with the first week of November 2016. The difference being that no one thought that Trump was actually going to win. Uh, including the Trump campaign. And everyone thought that Roe was going to get overturned. Uh, 
the rule well, the, and the debate was, and I mean, I know I talked with my class about this this semester. I imagine it may come up in yours as well, but it was unclear whether they were going to have the line Roe is overturned or whether they were going to gut Roe and have some surface like confusion about, oh, it's not really overturned. We're just allowing all these laws that outlaw abortion to, to stay in effect. Um, and the, the savvy political comms take uh, or the savvy political take would have been the latter. It would have been, you know, they don't want the headline Roe overturned. So they're going to achieve the win while also having the surface lie so that every time a newspaper has the words row overturned, they can scream liberal bias. Like that seems like the savvy play. And of course, since we live in a dumber world than that, the leaked opinion uh, from Alito goes all out and says row is overturned. It was the worst law that was ever passed. You know, everything related to it should be burned to the ground. This is the five alarm fire this is the 50-year project to overturn Roe. like they they had a war plan that has lasted 50 years we now get to find out whether they had a, a plan for the peace uh, i am sure they do not which means that it's just going to go downhill now uh i am some mix of depressed and scared how are you doing about it yeah same right i'm, I'm not as surprised i guess i sort of i knew that Roe was going to get overturned but you look at the who's on the court um, you look at the brazenness with where they were put on the court. I think Susan Collins might be the only person who believes that Kavanaugh and Gorsuch weren't going to vote to overturn. Like, of, of course, this is happening. And of course, this is part of the Federalist Society. Like, of course, this is not surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the only thing that's surprising is the timing. We learned about a month before we thought we would. And, and the leak itself. So what I'd like to do is talk briefly about the leak and the policy. Lots of people are having policy hot takes, which are important. You've written compellingly about this on your Substack which I hope you will plug at the end of the episode. But then what I really want to focus on because we're comms people is, oh, what do you do? What do we do about it, right? We're, we're depressed, we're scared, what do we do? So uh, talk about the leak. The thing that we don't know about the leak yet is which side it came from. My prediction is that we're never going to find out which side it came from. And the reason I predict that is because uh, I think there's pretty strong evidence that it came from one of the conservative justices offices. Uh, there was reporting in the Wall Street Journal in late April. Uh, there, there was, I guess, that while they didn't leak an opinion to them, there was some talking with their editorial team, telling them that, you know, they had the votes, but now Roberts is feeling squishy and Kavanaugh might be getting squishy, so they might not overturn it. Uh, and a few weeks after that, right in the time period where those votes will be getting counted amongst the justices and, and the pressure would be on, this gets leaked. This getting leaked now, particularly the entire opinion get, getting leaked, pretty much probably locks in all five of the justices who vote for it. Because if the formal opinion is no longer this, it will be judged against this. And the question will be, okay, who flipped because of pressure? So I think all of the indications, including the fact that this went to Politico, it didn't go to the New York Times or the Washington Post, which is are, are the outlets that um, I would expect a liberal justices clerks would be more likely to go to. All of those seem to be pretty strong breadcrumbs that this is actually coming from the right. But also the reason why the other part of it coming from the right is it has allowed them, McConnell and everyone else, to insist that the news of Roe v. Wade being overturned isn't the real news. It's this leak is is the real news. That, from a a comms point of view, that's the conversation they would rather have since overturning Roe is unpopular with like 80% of the country. And so this is a useful deflection so long as they can insist it must be a liberal, uh, liberal clerk 
if I'm right, it's a conservative clerk, then guess what? They're never going to figure out who, who worked on it because they're going to work just as hard on this leak as they did on investigating all of the allegations about Kavanaugh during that, that uh, hearing. It, it's, it's all a farce. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm also a little frustrated with all the attention on the leak and who the leaker is. I think the leak is bad. The court is political. Of course, the court is political. We know that. Um, it's arguably less political than it was for the first 100 years of the Republic, more political than it has been for the past than 50. Right. All of these things are true. There's lots of good political science on how the court is political and how that gets manifest. And it's trickier with the Supremes because the end is small and blah, blah, blah. But all the but the the chasing down who leaked into what end to me is is a lot like who leaked the January 6th um, documents. It's a, it's you've got a bunch of bad actors releasing cages of squirrels on the halls of Congress and yelling squirrel and everybody's chasing the squirrels rather than looking at what what really matters here, which is. January 6th commission, it's January 6th. Um, and with this, it's what's the substance, right? It's the overturning of Roe. What are the implications of that in the 13 states that have trigger laws? Uh, what, what's next, right? Is it Griswold? Is it Oberfeld? Like what, what else is coming down the line? Um, and really paying attention to the substance. And, and as you know, I tend to be a relatively pragmatic guy. So I am less interested in the fire than I am in how to put it out, mm-hmm. right? So I like, I really don't care who leaked this thing. What I want to know is what do we do about it? Not the leak, but the, the ruling. Um, I'm going to ask you what, what you think you, you would do. I've got my opinions, but I do want to share what some on the right are saying. I'm on some pretty conservative email lists because, I don't know, I'm dumb. Uh, this is the, the, the subject line. I'm going to read the, the interesting parts of it. This violates basically every rule about every ethical anything about email. So the subject line is our right to life is in jeopardy. Dun, dun, dun. Opening lines. Politico just announced that the Supreme Court is set to overturn abortion rights, and Nancy Pelosi is furious, all caps, bull. This is a dire situation, fellow conservative. The right to life is in jeopardy. There's no doubt Pelosi and her far-left minions are planning a full-out assault on our pro-life movement. In other words, we've won, so that's really bad. Then you click on sign the pro-life pledge. So I clicked on the pledge, and I get to the pledge is actually uh, a donation form that's uh, automatic monthly recurring donations. <laughs> I'm gonna screenshot all of this. I'm gonna put it on peterloge.com podcast on the link so people can see it. So part of the right is saying, this is the call to action. In addition to sign the pledge, which is to say, write us a check. We need 100,000 signatures before 11.59 PM to help us fight back against the left. So that's how they're responding. What's your take, Dave? I really respect that the right-wing grifters that have treated their mass supporter base as suckers for all these years is seeing the fundraising problem that will come from having finally won their 50-year war and saying, let's build them one last time and make sure that it's monthly donations. I respect the way that they are committing to their ghoulishness so wholeheartedly like it's it is method acting and just god bless you terrible terrible human beings what do you think it's it is it's laughably appalling and you know that there are people clicking oh my gosh roe v wade is being overturned that's terrible news our right to life is without sort of doing the processing the automatic monthly recurring donations i 
come on kids but it's the pure victim complex which is it also goes back to the leak of we're overturning roe but there was this leak who knows who did it it was definitely a liberal and this is proof of how we're still victims as we have a 6-3 majority that no longer cares about precedent right like we're overturning roe surely the left won't like that ergo you have to give us money to stop them from not liking it right like we are victims please write that check and it'll work because after 50 plus years of treating their supporters as suckers, their supporters are used to getting treat, treated that way. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's absolutely. So I think now the, the, the question for me though, because we're, we're comms guys, this is a comms pod. Mm-hmm. Um, our students are coming to us asking this question. Friends of mine, probably yours from the country, are emailing and texting saying, now what? So what do we do? What's the, what's the, what are your courses of action? What do we, in the, in the face of all of this, what do we do? So, And again, I I talked to my students about this earlier this semester, not knowing when it would happen, but knowing given the votes and given the case in front of the court that it would probably come down this summer. Um, The stakes here are historically high. I think we need to be deeply concerned, not just for women's bodily autonomy, which we should be deeply concerned about. We also need to be concerned that if there is not a mass movement that causes serious electoral consequences, then this will be the first of many steps. I mean, look, I, I've been to some gay weddings. The, those marriages may get nullified, which is absurd. I'm not sure if it's more absurd than over. I mean, look, Ro, Roe v. Wade is older than me, and I ain't young. What, like when they are at that point, what, I mean, what you need, there's going to be a mass protest in D.C. and around the country next, next weekend. That needs to be women's march sized. That there needs to be an outpouring of outrage that sustains itself through November and beyond, such that it becomes common knowledge among, amongst Republicans that they really fucked up here. Because if not, then what we're going to have is the continuing race to the bottom. Of, I mean, what we've had is 50 years of, well, really more like 25. It's really been in the past two or three decades that you've had this race to the bottom, constantly more conservative. Hey, let's get now more outlandish in how we try to criminalize woman, womanhood. Uh, like we've already got states that are trying to make it a felony to have a mis- miscarriage. That is going to continue and get much more worse unless it becomes common knowledge that they all fucked up and they need to find a way to get out of this fuck up. So how do you do that? It, I mean, the the comms is centered around this actually being a a genuine historic outrage, which threatens the stability of the country, our ability to function as a country. And that outrage needs to carry such a cost that it's not just something that Tucker Carlson thinks that he can shrug and smirk off. That is hard to do because the stakes here are now dire enough that there's real risk. I think, I think all of that makes sense. And I want to tease a few parts out of that that I think are especially um, useful in this moment. The first thing I should say, is I, I share the hide under the bed. I will confess that last night I was you know, scrolling online instead of doom scrolling on Twitter. I was looking for uh, cliffside homes for sale around the world um, on the Amalfi Coast in Italy. There's some beautiful homes for sale that cost roughly what, what I could get for selling my house. There's some in Spain. Just check out. You know what? I'm old enough. I will just sit in like a little villa somewhere with a cat drinking wine and thinking I did what I could. Mm-hmm. I am unwilling to do that in part because I, I couldn't afford the wine having bought the house. So we've got to figure out what to do. Um, so I put a question out on Twitter, strategic comments people. 
preparing for the next episode of Office Hours with Carpal Mode. What's your best comms advice in the wake of the leaked Supreme Court ruling overturning Roe? Six people liked the question, so go me. One person responded, <laughs> uh, Kristen Grimm, who runs Spitfire Strategies and teaches for us in, in the School of Media and Public Affairs, probably the smartest comms person I know, said, remind people that they have agency to keep reproductive health legal and safe, give them steps, resolve is our friend here. So I think what, what she says is spot on, and I would suggest three things. It's what, what now, what next, what then? And the what now has to be yes, show up in March, right? The, the 14th next Saturday is a big March, show up and do that, in part to demonstrate there's national resolve, in part because there's strength in that, it's, it's affirming, it can be fundraising and it's agenda setting. It's telling Republicans, you really blew this to set the electoral consequences. The other thing you should do is give to national organizations. That matters. But that feels very distanced, right? It feels a little bit, a little bit away from what's happening right here, right now. And so I'd suggest the other things that people can do right here, right now um, are make sure your local elected officials know what's going on, right? Because if this, if this is state by state, you have to advocate for, elect, and even run for statewide office to pass good laws in your state and to prevent bad laws from being implemented in your state or in your city or your county. That means finding local elected officials and local campaigns. That means finding local organizations that are finding ways to get women who need abortions in states that ban them to safe, safe clinics elsewhere. There's uh, Liberate Abortion, the website Liberate Abortion has actually a set of good links on here to help people with local action. It's what can I do right now in the face of this? Because if we if if all people feel like they can do is doom scroll and show up to one march once and write one more check to a national organization, that's pretty disempowering. Right. But if I say, you know, here I can do this thing, this will help. And then to your point, to create electoral consequences. Elected officials like the rest of us behave their incentives. Make this a very, very bad thing for elected officials to have done. I'm with you there. There's one thing that I want to note, though, which is I'm imagining the response from people who are further to the left of me, which means that they're also far further to the left of you, <laughs> which is that, hey, pressure local officials, give money to national organizations is also disempowering because they just overturned Roe. They have six Supreme Court seats. If we're not talking about burning the whole system down, then it is in fact disempowering. And there's a level at which they're right. So I would say what, what we need to do is find things that are empowering. I think there's a spectrum of things that are empowering that run the gamut from you show up to the protest and then you go home and you lobby, lobby locally or start volunteering at a clinic or like give to some of the uh, abortion clinics out there that are doing this work in places where need it most. Like that, that's one end of it. But this is also a space for more. This is also a space for more radical action too. This was a radical act of judicial activism, fifty years in the making, from a moment from a movement that has decided that the idea of women having bodily autonomy is offensive to them to their core, and that they will take it away. They're not going to get to do that, and if they're going to be stopped, it's going to be from a range of responses that go all the way from like the snarky tweets and the like well-framed fundraisers and also like like winning local races. Yeah, we got to do all that. But people who are motivated, who find that to be disempowering, who say like, 
it's time for more radical confrontational actions. Yeah, it's time for that too. I mean, while you're right that it's not shocking because the writing's been on the wall at least since RBG died, it's also shocking in that I've never lived in a world where Roe was struck down. I have lived my entire life in a, in a world where the other side's ambitions, their, their grand dream was to strike Roe down. This is a different world that they've thrust us into and how fucking dare they? That's if, true if, and honest too. No, I, I absolutely agree with that. I absolutely agree with that. I mean, the research on protests indicates that a peaceful protest can be very, very productive and can actually move the political needle and change political outcomes. The moment they get violent, the reverse happens. Um, Chenoweth and Stefan do really terrific work in this. Maria Stefan and Erica Chenoweth. Yeah, though there's terrific. there's counters. Malm and others have countered that, arguing that the, that depends on the counting exercise. That's actually a, a bit of a debated literature, though. Yeah, I I would think that peaceful is peaceful is better. Yeah, peaceful is better. And I also I also wonder then what next, right? If we burn it down, and then what? Okay, and then what? Right. So the what now? The immediate is March volunteer, show up, write letters, and work locally mm-hmm. as well as nationally. Work locally, right? Um, don't just talk to each other on Twitter. Like, get out and do something. Um, the, then it's, okay, what next? And I think that what next is looking at how do we then change the structures of our republic so that the majority opinion is represented, right? At this point, we have a counter-majoritarian rulers, Mm-hmm. Right. No Republican president has received a, a majority of the popular vote in how many decades? Um, uh, well, no, George W. Bush, Bush did the second time, right? Did he? That might have been the only. Yeah, yeah. The reelect. That was the only one. Yeah, the reelect. Yeah. That was the only one. Right. Right. In, in, in decades. Um, Republicans, Repu- Republican elected officials. There are more more people vote for Democrats mm-hmm. than have elected officials in, in Congress. I'm explaining it badly, but I think everybody listening to this pod knows what I'm talking about. So we need to fix those structures so that the majority view actually gets reflected on things like this, right? Most people, most of the time, believe in some level of access to, to abortions. Um, the question gets complicated and how much and whatever depends on who's doing the polling, but overall, the American people are by and large pro-choice. And that's not elected, that's not reflected in our elected officials, which means we need to get elected officials to reflect that and construct systems, change systems that allow that to be reflected, right? Because once you change the systems, that will allow all sorts of other good things to begin to happen, like gun control, which large majorities of Americans support, um, marriage equality, like all sorts of other things. So we also need to be looking at what next, because if you're only looking at the fire in front of you, you're going to miss the building that's about to be burned down behind you. Right. There's this false choice that in advocacy that, you know, if you're trying to do a strategic planning exercise, you'll often look at an advocacy group and say, there's a broken bridge over a, a rushing river. People are walking over the bridge and falling into the river. You have to choose. Do you fix the bridge or do you fish people out of the river? Because you don't have the resources to do both. Right. So while one group is fishing people out of the river and saving drowning people, somebody else has to be looking at the bridge and maybe looking down the road and going, I wonder if there are other bridges that are broken, right? So while we are doing this immediate action, we simultaneously, somebody needs to be looking at what's next, mm-hmm. right? And then I would suggest, okay, then what, right? If we burn it down, we're going to burn it down. Oh my God, the whole thing has to be burned down. What does that actually look like? Like, do you want, do you want somebody to come and burn your house down? 
Would you like to be hiding in a bunker? Who then rules after the revolution? Revolutions don't tend to go well. Like historically, they don't lead to you know, happiness and puppies. So let's sort of game out how all this goes. And then activists need to be thinking about doing those things as well. So what, what that point for me is one of the one of the many things that I think needs to happen over the next few months is pretty aggressive media activism. Because part of what has shaped abortion politics for the past 50 years is a, an unwillingness amongst mainstream media to call it abortion politics, right? It has been pro-choice versus pro-life. Let's use a bunch of uh, terms that are not the word abortion. And let's start from this assumption of, yeah, you know, it, it's enshrined in law, but a bunch of people are mad about it. And like, let's allow people to uh, l- decide uh, the various ways that they want to legislate what women do with their bodies. And that was all based around an activism in which you had anti-abortion activists always on the offensive, always chipping away, and pro-abortion activists playing defense uh, and complaining correctly that they were often treated within their issue coalition as sort of second tier out of a sense in the issue coalition of like, yeah, well, we've, we've got Roe. We don't like that chipping away, but we also want to win elections and just other things are bigger priorities. Now that they have taken the radical action of taking down Roe, I think there has to be media activism that pushes back very hard against this notion of, yeah, you know, all Americans have wishy-washy answers when they ask survey questions about how they feel about abortion. Like, I think people need to state, and I'm I'm seeing this on Twitter, but I, I think we need this in an extended manner, pushing hard and saying to journalists, look, we believe affirmatively that women get to decide what they're doing with their bodies. And if you don't like it, good news, it's not your fucking body. And that pressure against what's going to happen a week from now, a month from now, when you see major outlets deciding, okay, well, we've covered this for a week, but now let's kind of move to the next thing and try to hasten back to some previous way, you know, like the, the language that we're used to covering this, the language that our editors are used, used to approving, we're just going to go back to it being its own beat and it being second tier again. No, that doesn't get to happen. They just took down the single most iconic case of the past 50 years. That changes everything. And the pressure on the media to make it clear that everything is different now has downstream consequences, because if you don't pressure the media, then you're not really pressuring the public officials too. No, I, th- I think that's right. You hit on two critical things here. One is play offense, mm-hmm. right? For a long time, we have to defend the defend Roe, defend Roe, it got shipped away, isn't just reasonable that, and all of that kind of stuff. Um, now play offense. A handful of unelected judges appointed by people who represent a minority view of the United States are taking the rights away of hundreds of millions of people against the wishes of the American voters. It's undemocratic to its core. And also, Alito is not a fucking medical doctor. (laughs) So we need to play offense. So advocates need to play offense. But I think the other thing you point out points to the the broader question, sort of not just the what now, but the then what, like to the third step. And that's the media need to do a better job of ignoring the squirrels. Mm -hmm. 
paying less attention to the insider gossip, who did what to whom and who leaked what to whom and what's the political advantage of that. And oh my gosh, was the White House Correspondents Center super spreader event and who did like stop. I actually, I talked to a reporter for a major publication a couple of weeks ago and was, she was asking me a process question. And I said, this, that's the wrong question. Please stop covering this. Like what really matters is the substance here, nothing else. Um, I'm not going to, the reporter was very nice and very respectful. The story ended up fine. So I'm not going to call anybody out here, but it's, it's, a, it's on people like you and me who talk to the press, who get calls from reporters to say, stop covering the squirrel, right? Start covering what matters. What matters here is a handful of judges who were gamed into their jobs by a handful of people who represent a minority of the American people are locking into law a view opposed by most Americans that overturns a half century old precedent. Cover that. Yeah, but who do you think leaked? I don't care who leaked. I don't care. Yeah. What do you think about the legitimacy of the court? Frankly, if they want legitimacy, they should act legitimately. They should act legitimately. They're like, this is not. So I think then, yeah, this matters. But I think my strong advice to advocates is you got, we got to engage. Right. Nothing is inevitable. A group of people managed to create a policy position with which we profoundly disagree. Great. Go create the alternative. Because the other option is surrender. I don't have enough money to buy that villa tax to the side of a mountain. And I have invested too much of my life and my career in, in little D democratic politics, as well as big D democratic politics. They simply say, oh, well, OK, sorry but I want to know what I can do right now. And it's not just write a check to a national organization and it's not go to a march at the Supreme Court. I don't like protests. I, like, I, don't, I don't care. What I can do is write a check to a local organization in the state that's providing access to safe legal abortions or offering women alternatives or transportation. I can write a check not to the famous Senate campaign that's not going to win, but to a, gov- a gubernatorial candidate for whom another $100 or $500 could actually make a difference, to a state legislative race that's on the bubble, right? This is state by state. This is what can I do today? People have agency. If advocates don't believe they have agency, they won't act. So advocates, you have agency. And we're going to throw some links on peterloge.com podcast. I'll continue to throw them on Twitter. I know Dave has some on the Substack. There are things we can do and we've got to do them because if we don't do them, it's going to get worse. And you can either quit and move, except you're running out of places to move to. You can disengage, which is, you know, bad. Or you can give it a shot. I think we got to give it a shot. And the, the hopeful, the sort of gallows hopefulness that I hear there is there's a view of future history in which this is the hinge point. That, you know, because the, there's an awful lot, you know, your point about unrepresentativeness, this could eventually be remembered as the moment at which the sheer unrepresentativeness of the system that was the underlying problem in so much of our politics. May, like the hope is that this becomes the thus far no further moment and that it no longer leads to a sea change in abortion politics that claws this shit back, but also leads to fundamentally restructuring of a system that isn't working. That's, and like the the real point here for advocates is that's not a, okay, let's frame this thing just right in our fundraising email. This is, 
recognizing and responding to the gravity of this moment. This is not another Tuesday or another Friday. This is the actual five alarm. Holy shit, the other side spent 50 years with a grand ambition to do something radical and they just did something radical. And by the way, absolutely any pundit or opinion writer who right now is explaining why actually it's not really that radical, uh, they deserve all the grief that they get as well. Act the gravity that it deserves. But it also means that also, like it might be a hinge point, this might be the journey of history, it might be the precipice of blah, 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 blah. Like I don't, somebody else will answer that question. Mm-hmm. What I want to know is what can I do today? And what I can do today is I'm going to go to these links on uh, liberateabortion.org mm-hmm. and I'm going to write some checks and I'm going to call some friends. Mm-hmm. And then when I raise money for candidates, because I raise money for candidates, I'm going to make this a central issue and I'm going to make them, make them own it and address it, right? There are things we can do, right? If you live in Texas, you can do a different thing than I can do living in Washington, D.C. If you live in Pennsylvania, you can do something different, but there are things we can do, right? Um, and I think as part of our job then as advocates and for smart advocacy organizations is to give people meaningful, measurable things they can do. This goes back to the climate conversation we had in past episodes. You can look online and get those that, that say, you know, there's got to be a connection. It's not the world is coming to an end. The seas are going to rise. The earth is going to boil by a Prius. That's terrible messaging. Right? There's got to be a connection because if people don't feel that connection, there's something not going to act. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have to, so good advocates create that connection. We're just about at time. Things are going to get worse, Dave. They're going to get worse. Let me tell you how they're going to get worse. For those of you paying attention to everything else going on in the world, January 6th commission, uh, there are going to be public hearings, eight of them apparently in June. Look for more leaks, look for more craziness and squirrels, ignore the squirrels, pay attention to what actually happened. It turns out what happened. We'd be very bad. And the other thing I want to highlight, I've been meaning to highlight, I got to get a soccer reference in. If I'm not going to name check Aristotle, oh, name check Aristotle. The president of FIFA, the global governing body of soccer, um, you know, if it weren't for FIDE, they'd be the most corrupt organization in the world. The president of FIFA, Gianni Infantino, was recently asked what he thought about the 6,500 migrant workers who died building facilities in Qatar in the run up to the November World Cup. And he said that there is pride in working when speaking of this topic, which is work, even hard work, tough work. America is a country of immigration. My parents emigrated as well from Italy to Switzerland. Not so far, but still. So that's his response to 6,500 migrant workers dying, building World Cup venues. You should be proud of your work because his family was when they moved from Italy to Switzerland. Yeah, I mean, this just, I think this is the message that we should leave with everybody with on the pod is uh, people should watch basketball instead because 6,500 migrant workers don't die building NBA playoff stadiums. Watch basketball, folks. Watch basketball. With that, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Dave, plug your sub and your Twitter handle. Uh, yeah, so I'm on Substack. I'm davecarp.substack.com. Very depressing, but I think well-written post this week. And I'll be writing about tech in the uh, upcoming weeks, too. Uh, the other thing that I do. Uh, and on Twitter, I'm at Dave Carp. That's K-A-R-P-F. And I'm Peter Loge. Uh, it's at P-L-O-G-E on Twitter at peterloge.com slash podcast. You'll get the links. I'm also going to be writing about what advocates can do, the what now, what next, then what. It'll probably be a medium because Dave shamed me into medium which is Folks, telling he was going to put it on his website like it was 1997 i'm here to help which is it's a blog it's a sub, it's a blog nobody this is crazy town this we gotta do just a tech episode where i just 
fully heckle you for your old tech views. You know, I'm I still have I, I, my the Republican fundraising email I get. Uh, go to go to my AOL account. I've had the same AOL email address since the mid '90s. I had to talk the Maricopa County Democratic Party into getting email because I was sure it was going to be a thing. I thought you were Gen X, but you're a boomer. No, no, I'm Gen X. I was. I put the first member of Congress on the internet. I was. It I was. You had no. This is actually. It, it's. Uh, I didn't make the rules, but it is the rules. You still have an AOL address. You're a boomer. No. No. Yeah. No. I think that's wrong. I. I think. Uh, I would uh, say we're going to agree. Just some- listeners. Uh, listeners, write to either one of us on Twitter or email and let us know, is Peter Loge a boom? All right. Thanks, as always, to our producer, Alana Nevins. Uh, tune in for episode six, and we'll see where we go from here. All Good right. luck, everybody. Bye, folks.